What up, what up, what up? Welcome in to another edition of Green with Envy. As always, it's your boy Will Weir checking in. How you doing? How you living? Joining me as he does each and every time, best friend, co-host, coach of the podcast, the one and only Greg Manakis. What's going on, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, it's funny because we we started at Celtic Plug, you know, around the middle, what is it, middle of the season, beginning of the season? I don't even remember when we well, started. Well, I guess about like squad. middle of like this portion of the season. So probably about 20, 30 games ago. And we had a goal and this was kind of a goal that I wanted to do. You didn't really care too much about it, but I was like, I think we should, as we first get on the feed, we should really keep it as strictly basketball as possible, especially at the beginning of podcast. But I got to say, man, as we were coming on to the pod here, I was just like, Kind of having one of those freak out moments where I'm like, dang, we have a lot of people that listen to our show. And I started getting like really, <laughs> really nervous, which is like the first time that's happened in a while. And rather yeah. than just like live with that nervousness, I figured I'd just like talk it through on air with you. I, yeah. yeah. Help me but out into the world. Well, I mean, you know, one of the things is eventually, and I agree, like there, I think the first couple of shows we did for Celtics blog, it was like, you know, people are going to know who we are because, you know, we were with Adam for so long. Yeah. But it was like, let's get into it. Cause usually, you know, when it was just the two of us occasionally, I mean, we had several podcasts where we talked about Marvel for 30 minutes, you know what <laughs> I mean? Or like we would bring on a buddy of ours as a film producer, which we probably will still do all that stuff in the off season, but that's more off season content. And yeah. we could sometimes get lost in the sauce or we were sauced occasionally, not, not really, but a little bit, you know, especially if we're doing one of our playback rooms, but you know, like now that we do have a little bit of a, of a larger audience, like. You know, it's I think what's ultimately and we, we talked about this a lot with Adam in our pre-production meetings when it was the three of us when it was a three man weave. A lot of times when you tune into a podcast and when you keep tuning into a podcast, it's for the chemistry. It's for the relationship that you kind of in a weird way, you feel like in like an outsider looking in that you're almost a part of that relationship. And, you know, with yeah. you and I, we have such a unique dynamic that we've been best friends since we were one and a half, two years old. And, you know, now we're both 33. Like that's something <laughs> you don't get a lot. And so I think to be able to bring people into that, that's, that's pretty special. And, you know, right now, the fact that we are spending the first two and a half minutes talking about you're you realizing a fear in real time is is a part of that <laughs> and 33 years old and still drinking chocolate milk i just downed this right before we hopped on air so shout out to nesquik shout out to two hey, percent milk be proud Al Horford would be proud of me. I'll be very proud that. of you. By the way, so right now, for those of you listening, we are starting to upload a lot of our recordings, basically all of our podcast recordings to YouTube. So if you're not following us on YouTube, number one, you should be. You should also be following us on Instagram as well as Twitter. You can find us at Green Envy Pod. And if you are watching the video right now, you're seeing that my guy Greg here has a Red Sox hat on. In the building tonight for the Celtics game against the Pelicans, $300 million man, Rafi Devers. Was this planned or was this a complete accident? This hat was me. You know, I talked about being nervous coming onto the show. This was me being like, I look stupid. My head looks dumb. I have weird hair. I'm going to put a hat on to, to reduce some of my anxiety. Just worked out that it was on the same night as Rafi Devers being in the house. To be fair, when you say that you, you thought your your head looked stupid, uh, your nickname <laughs> was Egghead. 
growing up. Sure. So, so you sure. do have a bit of an egg resemblance to your head. So th there probably is a little bit to that, I guess. I don't know if that's helping you or not, but I figured I might as well point that out. H have you looked at yourself in, in a little while? Talk about my chrome dome right now. <laughs> I mean, my chrome dome as always. But hey, listen, man, bald head with a beard. It's in, baby. It's in style. It Don't is in style. You look, you, you're looking great, man. <laughs> Speaking of looking great, let's talk some C's. Let's do it, man. And with that, you know, as we do every time we record right after a game, let's cue up that morning box score. Tonight's morning box score. Boston Celtics win 125 to 114 against the New Orleans Pelicans. For the Pelicans, CJ McCollum off to a scorching hot start early in the game. 38 points on 15 of 24 shooting, 6 of 12 from 3. Najee Marshall, 18.7 rebounds. Trey Murphy, 15 points, some electric dunks, and 6 rebounds for the Pelicans. But for the good guys, the guys in green, Jalen Brown was the star of the night. 41 points and 12 rebounds, a double-double by the time we reached half. 15 of 21 on the night and got to the line nine times to boot eight of nine from the line. Jason Tatum, 31 points, 10 rebounds, four assists. Malcolm Brogdon with 20 points off the bench, continuing to feel it in that six-man role. Celtics plus 16 on the boards for the night take home the 11-point win against the shorthanded Pelicans. No Brandon Ingram, no Herb Jones, no Zion Williamson, but they're still scrappy as hell. They have a ton of depth, put up a good fight tonight, but the Celtics come away with the victory. Greg, I feel like this is Jalen Brown's night. He was electric. He was on fire from start to finish. Take it where you will with, with your thoughts on Jalen's performance tonight. Well, he was so efficient the entire night, you know, 15 for 21 from the field, three for six from three, eight for nine from the line. A few of those free throws, you know, bounced their way around the rim a few oh times. Oh, my God. He had he had two of them. I think I don't know if it was the third quarter or maybe early in the fourth where it was, man, you know, it's your night when he got both of those to go down because they both hit about three different parts of the iron in the backboard collectively before they went in. Yeah. And I mean, the 12 rebounds obviously is huge. Having 10 at the halftime helps that double-double stat. But when you look at the counting stats for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum tonight, they had 72 points combined, 22 rebounds. That's insane between yeah. the two of them. If they're putting up 70-20 games, like watch out NBA. The, the way that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are playing right now, um, there's as we've said all year, there's not a better duo in this entire league. And although you said the Pelicans were shorthanded, they still have some, you know, feisty wing defenders. And Dyson Daniels is getting a lot of love. Uh, Murphy's getting a lot of love for his ability to guard. Marshall's a good defender. Um, they've got Jackson Hayes being crazy off the bench. And they've just got a bunch of guys that can guard. And it didn't matter tonight. Jalen did whatever he wanted the entire game. My favorite Jalen Brown moments these days, Will, is when he drives baseline and he jumps two hands up and he just yams on people. He didn't quite yam it tonight, but he was able to finish through the contact for an and one. And then after he does that and he just pauses, shrugs his <laughs> shoulders and just looks at the bench like, I'm that guy. Yeah. I'm really that guy. I mean, and he it, played strong tonight. Tonight, you know, you talk a lot about Jason Tatum kind of playing through his shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. Jalen Brown tonight was was getting into people's bodies. He was finishing through contact. You know, he was he, he was doing, you know, he talked last game, I think before the game, about how he kind of looks up to DeMar DeRozan and some of his ability in the mid-range to always find a way with his footwork, with his body, to find a new angle, to pivot, to find a way to get a shot. And if you look at his shot chart tonight, it looks like you, you would guess 
suggest that this might be a DeMar DeRozan game, kind of the way you're looking at it. Did get to the rim, but then saw a lot of those shots that were probably in about that, you know, 12 to 15, 16 foot range that a lot of him were him just creating just enough space to get that off. And I thought it was interesting, Gorman, talking about he feels like when Jalen Brown gets going, he sees a lot more arc on the on his shot mm. as it's going up. And then you saw him, you know, obviously get some shots up over some of those long, rangy defenders like you talked about, the Jackson Hayes, Dyson Daniels. And so, you know, tonight was Jalen. We usually see him get, you know, no one, we've said it before, no one gets NBA jam hot like Jalen Brown. If there was an NBA jam category, Jalen Brown is is damn near the top of, man, that guy just had five possessions in a row where nobody could do anything with him. This was, this was all night that there was just nothing the Pelicans can do, despite the fact that, to your point, even without, you know, Herb Jones, who's an all NBA or all defensive level defender without Zion, without Ingram, they have a lot of guys. That's one of the reasons why the Pelicans are still towards the top of the standings, despite a lot of their injuries, is the depth they do have with their young guys, specifically on the wing, to hang around in these matchups. And they did a fairly good job, given you know the deficit in scoring, with hanging around here. But Jalen just, just had it cooking tonight, and there wasn't going to be, I don't care who you were putting out there, there wasn't going to be much you could do with him today. Yeah, this shot chart is absolutely beautiful. You know, the was it seven attempts pretty much at the rim there mm-hmm. getting to the rim whenever he wanted you know the the thing i like to say is that tatum plays through his shoulders brown plays through his hips yep. and jalen is starting to play through both right he's just so strong anytime he flexes now you just see he's added a lot of strength like there was a couple of years ago where it looked like he he wanted to slim down i think it was when he's he stopped eating meat or eating less meat and he recommitted to getting enough protein in his diet going through those underwater workouts he just looks like one of the strongest guys in the league and he's as as i've heard some people talk about jalen brown they're like i don't know what the next level is for him but if he just reaches that like Kawhi Leonard level of strength where people just bounce off of him the entire game, his his efficiency is going to continue to rise as he stays in shape. And the, the fact that he's healthy this year, he's bouncy. I forget which podcast I heard it on. I think it was the Simmons and, and uh, Zach Lowe pod that they just did. Is He just looks more motivated. He looks angry and he's playing with an edge. And that's definitely something I've noticed throughout this year. Jalen Brown just... um. Come man on a mission and on a day where the ringer, I think it was the ringer left them off the top 20 list, uh, top players in the NBA. Jalen Brown comes out and proves that he's definitely deserving of at least a top 20 nod. Yeah, and we'll be talking about the second half of this podcast. Greg and I are going to do our Q2 check-in when it comes to all NBA teams as well as the MVP race. So we'll definitely be talking more about Jalen Brown in the all NBA segment of that. So Will will touch more on that later. His other partner in crime, Jason Tatum tonight, 31, 10, and 4. Very much a, you know, I, I think this might qualify as a as a dirty 30 game, which typically this is something that that I came up with a couple of years ago for Greg and I when it's these superstar players that don't necessarily feel like they quite have it, it fully going, but they still find a way to get 30-plus points. Jason Tatum got to the line 10 times tonight, was 10-22 to 22 from the field, not his best shooting game, but had enough going on, got to the rim, lived – Greg has the shot chart up for those of you looking at it on YouTube right now, lived around that rim. You can see even missed a couple of bunnies inside the inside the paint tonight. So, But another great performance from JT, and you saw that stat that he is now, I believe it's 13 straight games of 25 – 13 or 14 straight games of 25 plus points and so when you have a night like this and you laid out the jays combined stats earlier this is when you when you try to handicap you know 
the NBA, never mind just the Eastern Conference, but just who are the title favorites. It's when you have guys that just do stuff like this. It's like, what are you going to do? Well, you have two guys that can come at you from these different angles. And then not to mention, there's a third guy who scored 20 points off the bench. Like, mm-hmm. that's really tough for anybody to deal with. And that's where, you know, as long as the Celtics remain healthy, and tonight they obviously didn't have Rob Williams, didn't have Marcus Smart. I mentioned who the Pelicans were without. You know, the Celtics didn't have their full squad either. It, You know, it's, it's the reason why the Celtics are having the season that they're having and why they're in position to be one of the favorites. Yeah, and Tatum also didn't have any turnovers tonight. Uh, he yeah. played a great floor game. He did only two from Jalen as well. So two combined turnovers when you add in all of those other stats that go along with it. And they got to the line 19 times combined. Yeah, I, I was really impressed. I, I'm actually surprised that Tatum didn't get um, called for a turnover on that one play where McCollum stripped him down low. Um, I, I'm not sure why. Yeah, they I don't know why, why, why that wouldn't be. I know exactly what you're talking turnover. about. Yeah. But, you know, this game tonight, the like I said, the Pelicans were shorthanded. They came out fighting. C.J. McCollum was just another Oof, world Fuego. of, of hot. I, I believe he was 6 of 6. So he finished 6 of 12 from 3. I think he was 6 of 6 to start the game from 3. Or maybe he was 5 of 6 and went 1 for after, after that. But C.J. McCollum just was kind of on another world. I think really for me when this game started to flip because this is when in the second half you really saw the lack of offensive firepower that, that the Pelicans had in their arsenal. Mm-hmm. Celtics started hedging and doubling and soft doubles, hard doubles, kind of throwing some different looks at C.J. McCollum just making others try to beat them and that's kind of when the Pelicans ran out of steam and the Celtics were able to put some separation between them and the Pelicans late in the third and it was nice to see because it has been a point of criticism is that when the Celtics get these leads and you already heard Scal talking about it with about five minutes five and a half minutes where mm-hmm. he was like yeah they were a bucket to stop away and I just wanted to take my hands through the TV and say shut up Scal this is yeah. not the time for this. Like that was the I, only time tonight. <laughs> I mean, not the only time, but that was the one that's obviously a lasting memory with me right now. Just thinking about like how many times have you said this, Scal? And we've been through this. You know, we've been through this same show over and over again, where the game's not over yet. Mm-hmm. And you know, you thought for a second the Celtics were going to slow it down. They ended up being just fine. But uh, it was nice for the Celtics to see that they could create some distance, keep that distance, and not let a, you know have like the Bulls or Spurs situations of recent kind of creep back and make this a real tight game late yeah the one thing i want to touch on real quick is the celtics willingness to double mccollum um that's something that the celtics don't normally do is a hard double on anybody get just making them play four on three um i thought the effort of guys that were involved in the trap at half court getting back into play specifically i want to shout out luke cornett a couple plays where he sprinted back to contest at the rim i think if you're gonna double and you're going to be in a scrambling, rotating defense from that point forward, you need to be moving at full speed. I love the willingness to double and then the effort that follows that double team, and everyone has to be ready to to scram out to a shooter out on the other side. They need to uh, sprint back to the rim, contest at the rim, and then you all need to gang rebound because you're at a huge disadvantage when you double. That's why a lot of teams don't double as yeah. as much. You know, it's like when you see the Celtics, they never double. It's because you're playing a man down, four on three. And the Pelicans didn't have the personnel tonight, so it was nice to see that Joe was like, I'm not losing this game because CJ McCollum's going for 50. <laughs> I'm going to double and get the ball out of his hands. I wonder if there's going to be any conversation in the post game about that and what the players are going to say, or what Joe's going to say. I would love to hear somebody ask that question because it was definitely a deviation from the norm. Is there anybody else that you'd like to hit on tonight? Because I thought the entire team played really well. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's probably one exception to the entire team played well, and I'd probably say that's Peyton Pritchard a little bit. And, you know, I mean, obviously, you can tell he's out of rhythm. And mm-hmm. just because right now, as we stand a little a little less than a month from the trade deadline, he's if the Celtics are to make a move, which which I'm I would be very surprised if the Celtics make any type of substantial move, he's likely the player that would be involved that would have you know any type of impact. They're not gonna they're not gonna trade anybody I wouldn't expect in the core rotation of guys. And to make a move, you'd probably have to sacrifice Peyton Pritchard. Maybe there's a way to to you know. Uh, play around with with Gallinari who does have a player option so then maybe you have to pay a pick on that I don't know it's it, it's a pretty tight situation where I wouldn't expect the Celtics to make many moves but Peyton Pritchard might be that guy and tonight he was probably the one player that I would look at that was a, a relatively negative impact I thought that when he first hit that deep three in the first quarter I was like all right this is gonna get our guy going you could tell he was trying to build off that momentum and just couldn't quite get it but as you look up and down everyone else i think played a really solid game you talked about luke cornett's contributions al horford was knocking down the three malcolm brogdon's played i think three to four really good games in a row during this couple couple wins couple game win streak the celtics have going right now uh so it's really nice to see his six man of the year campaign is starting to take off again so really hard to find too many areas to nitpick with this team other than like i said maybe peyton pritchard and and even that feels a little bit unfair Yeah, quick 30 seconds on Peyton Pritchard. He had those two back-to-back fast breaks where he turned the ball over. One that should have just been a layup or he should have put it off the glass for JT to to throw it down. And the next play, I think he was in his own head, but he got like another opportunity literally on the next possession, threw it behind Brogdon, turned the ball over. And then the following play, uh, the the Pelicans scored. He gets the ball out of bounds. He's dribbling up the court. He takes one dribble and throws the ball to Derek White, and he, you could see him shaking his head. He's very yeah. frustrated out there on the court, uh, to your point about him not having any rhythm right now. Hopefully he gets to play again tomorrow night because I think he could actually um, give Kyrie some trouble, give uh, a Seth Curry some trouble, mm-hmm. and uh, Patty Mills. I don't know if Patty Mills is playing right now, but if he is, I think Pritchard could be on the court. And I think with Alvarado on the other side, Games like this are games where Joe Missoula needs to find room for Peyton Pritchard because we have our own Alvarado on the team. That is Peyton Pritchard. We have our own, you know, he's he's surpassed us at this point, but we have our own Fred Van Vliet back a few years ago, right? These, these small guys that just come in, they're feisty, they make a difference. Peyton Pritchard, we know that he can do that. I would love to see him get a little bit more playing time. Hopefully it's with the Celtics. If the Celtics need to move him in a deal, he deserves a chance to be playing somewhere in the NBA. But one more guy I want to touch on real quick, Will, is Grant Williams. This is like, what, two weeks in a row of Grant just playing lights out on both ends of the court. Um, He's guarding bigs. He's guarding smalls. He got shook by CJ McCollum a couple times tonight. But But he did his best. I mean, mean, CJ had to put on some some top-level moves to shake Grant. That wasn't... You know, that that wasn't, uh, you know, by no fault of Grant's, you know. Exactly. Yeah, but the fact that we, we're we starting to get the consistency from Grant Williams, it's not just one game a week. Now it's every single night. We're starting to expect it. And it's almost weird when Grant doesn't play up to the level that he's starting to set for himself. So shout out Grant Williams. And one more thing, the one more thing, King, is back, back. folks. Jason Tatum, Garden Valanciunas in the post, multiple yep. possessions. That was his primary assignment for a lot of possessions tonight on defense. Thought he fought really hard. Um, he stripped Valanciunas. He pulled the chair and uh, knocked the ball away from him a couple times. I thought Tatum played really well in the post tonight. And if that's a weapon the Celtics can have to put Jason Tatum on post centers, 
you know, and just allow Al Horford to be a problem in other areas of the court. So he's not just locked up with the Valanciunas, with the Zubats, you know, guys like that, with the Nurkic, guys like mm-hmm. that. I think that's really big for this team. And Tatum is really um, uh, putting his foot down as someone that a two-way MVP candidate, which we'll get into here in a minute. Yeah, name of the game is versatility. So the more options that Joe Mazzulla is going to have to go to in a playoff situation, the better. So I do think that's an interesting note to keep an eye on if if Tatum does end up drawing some of those matchups here into the future. Uh, quickly, before we take a little break here, you you talked about it as you are, if you're listening to this podcast, either on Wednesday night on YouTube or if you are listening on Thursday morning when it is on the Celtics blog feed, uh, you are getting set to watch the Celtics and Brooklyn Nets go at it tonight. Uh, obviously, no Kevin Durant out for a month uh, or roughly a month will be reevaluated in two weeks. So you can assume probably about a month is what we're looking at with that MCL injury, which it just sucks, man. I, I, I love watching Kevin Durant play. He's having an unbelievable season, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. So no Kevin Durant, no likely no Marcus smart in that game. You can assume probably no alpha, but, but might get Rob Williams back on that game for the Celtics side. Probably no Brogdon. Potentially no Brogdon. Yeah, so this could be an interesting matchup. So we don't know exactly what that's going to look like as we're recording this. But, you know, looking ahead to Brooklyn without Kevin Durant, that's a big loss. And not just offensively. I think, you know, the defensive loss of Kevin Durant is huge for them. He's averaging a block and a half this season. You know, him and Nick Claxton are kind of the backbone of that Nets defense, which has been hovering right around a top 10 net rating, which is a little bit surprising when you think about, you know, some of what could be considered liabilities. So without Kevin Durant, what are you expecting in this game? Do you think this is a game that that has potential for Kyrie to go off with maybe no Marcus Smart and him trying to pick up the load or maybe it's hero ball? What What are you looking for in this game? Well, first thing, I've only watched one or two Nets games since they started playing well, so I can't really speak to the Claxton effect. I know he's getting a lot of love in NBA pod spheres and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen it from him personally when I've watched a game, so I'm looking forward to seeing that from Claxton is what improvements as he has he made on the defensive end. I thought he always had some um, – you know, he presents some problems with his ability to switch. I thought he's done a good job contesting high on some Tatum threes in the past. He's definitely energetic, but I think he can get pushed around. So him going up against Rob Williams tomorrow night will be really interesting to watch because obviously Rob is widely respected as one of the best defensive bigs in the league. Claxton's starting to get that reputation himself. So to see how they go at each other, to see if Rob has been hearing this Claxton buzz, um, I doubt it. I doubt that Rob thinks much of Claxton at this point, but if he does, he has something to prove. You know what I mean? Rob mm-hmm. Rob can go out there and really um, put his own foot down as the, the, the better of the two young centers in this matchup. Otherwise, with Kyrie, you know, obviously talented. I don't find the Nets presenting too many problems for us. I just think we match up really well with them. Maybe the fact that KD is not on the court will actually open things up for them, though, and that they'll um, rely a little bit more on ball movement unless Kyrie, as you said, goes hero ball. Kyrie Mm -hmm. decides to go hero ball. I think the Celtics will have an easy time with the Nets. If they decide to trust each other, commit to the defensive end, and move the ball, then it you know could be interesting because we we struggle against teams that share the ball. Think about like the OKC Thunder. They don't just have one guy doing it all. In that one game, everybody was looking to attack without SGA on the court. So I think the Nets, they have some guys that can play downhill, that can get into pick and roll, um, cause problems for the Celtics on that end of the court. But overall, I, I expect the Celtics to win and, and win handedly. I would probably put the line at Celtics like minus 
8.5, even though it's in Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably about right. Maybe a little bit lower with the game being in Brooklyn. Depends on who's in and who's out. I and mean, we don't know yeah. that yet as as we record. I do like Nick Claxton a lot. I have not, much like you, I have not had a chance to tune in too much during their win streak other than a few moments here or there. Um, I do like Nick Claxton. I do always think of, is he related to Speedy Claxton? So just for those of you <laughs> curious, I did look it up while Greg was talking. He is, in fact, not related to Speedy Claxton. Uh, apparently, it looks like his mom had to tweet that out at some point when he was in college at Georgia. Got a lot of questions about it. But yeah, no relation to Speedy Claxton. Um, but, you know, I, I think this Nets game will be interesting to see what they look like without KD. Um, like I said, it's just so important to that team. And I think we've talked about this before. I like as much as as great as KD is, I love the way we match up with the nets and they don't scare me maybe as much as they should. I mean, I have a healthy respect for Kevin Durant. So that will always be in any conversation that surrounds a healthy nets team, but Mm -hmm. without him, I'm just not sure. I see them having the ability to stop us enough offensively. Now, if we don't have Brogdon Horford and smart, that might change it a little bit, right? That's a healthy chunk of our offense. So we'll have to see it's on the road. It's the second night of a back to back. Uh, But, you know, given the no KD circumstances, regardless of who's not there for the Celtics, I would expect them to pull that out. So we'll have to see. That should be a fun game coming up tonight. But for right now, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at our Q2 update on the All-NBA teams as well as the MVP race and review what's changed since we first talked about this in Q1. All right, Greg, all NBA and MVP. This is something that I've been pretty excited about just to be able to track throughout the season rather than just have it all build up. I really like the idea of seeing, okay, here's the first quarter. Here's what we had second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, and then being able to really look back and be like, man, look at how much changes in an NBA season, every Mm -hmm. 20 games, your thoughts and opinions on, on where these players and where these teams are. So I think this is a really cool exercise that we're, that we're doing here to kind of track it all the way throughout. So Let's start with all NBA teams because we're going to touch on the MVPs in the all NBA. So then the MVP will kind of run through that towards the end. So let's let me do a quick review here of what we had in Q1. So for Q1, my first team was Steph, Luca, and we'll do this team by team. I'll do the review. Actually, let's do all three teams. My first team was Steph, Luca, JT, Giannis, and Embiid. Your first team was Steph, Booker, JT, Giannis, and Jokic. Second team for your boy. SGA, Booker, KD, Siakam, and Jokic. For Greg, Ja, SGA, Luka, KD, and Embiid. Third team for me, Ja Morant, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Zion Williamson, Anthony Davis. And for Greg, Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brown, Pascal Siakam, and Anthony Davis. All right. Let's see what we got here. Let's see how this is going to change. Greg, let's start with you here. And do you want to start with the backcourt, front court, center? Where do you want to go? Um, I so first I just want to give some thoughts on Q1, especially as yeah. it's up here on the screen for those of you that are watching on YouTube. You know, is there anybody just looking at Q1 that you're surprised is like on that list? Like it, as you said, a lot changes in 20 games. Looking at both of our lists, is there anyone you're like, oh, I kind of forgot that he was killing it in, in the first quarter of the year? Not really, because I think all of these guys are still in contention. It's just a, a, some injuries have kind of really shifted things around. The things that I think were probably most surprising when I will we'll get to, to what my kind of MVP 
you know, rankings are. But, you know, looking at putting Embiid over Jokic, like that mm-hmm. is very much flip. Like that's the things that are going to be a little bit different for me. But all of these guys, whether or not they're on my three teams, which most of them are just probably in a lot of them in different orders. Uh, it, a lot of them are there. It's just injuries have kind of shifted around maybe where they land. Yeah, for sure. That was the biggest thing that stood out. I I had Jokic over Embiid. Um, in the first quarter, but you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to see what your thoughts are for how things have progressed for Q2. Um, if you had any specific criteria that you were using, how are you factoring it, factoring in injuries, all that good stuff. Um, so I'll go first here. My first team, uh, let me just get that off the screen there. My first team for Q2, Donovan Mitchell, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic. Any ding ding ding. We are any five changes? Five. Okay, five. We are for five, five for five Let's on go. that. And I think the biggest thing. So you were asking what what some of the criteria, and I feel like you know we're at the midway point right now. Basically, everyone has played somewhere between forty to forty two games, roughly. And you know, I think right now, and I, and I talked about this for Q one. I tried not to let where the standings were affect it too much. The later we get in the season, the more effect it's going to have on what my list looks like, and. Also, to go right along with that, the amount of games played. Like, the, it's really hard to balance in that first quarter, right? I know we had kind of a Pascal Siakam issue where he had played, I think, maybe only 12 games out of the first 20-ish, 10, 11 games. And I think we both still found a way to put him on because he was really, really good. And it's a, you know, relatively small sample size. Mm-hmm. But but as we go on here, like, one thing I noticed that really stands out, and I, and I put these in parentheses with all my guys here, is how many games they've actually played. Okay. Everyone that's on the first team for me has been someone that's been available basically the entire season minus a game here or there uh donovan mitchell and nicole Jokic have each played in as of this recording 37 out of their roughly 40 games or so that's the lowest once we get below this team you'll start to see some guys that are in the high 20s early 30s everyone here lucas played 38 donovan mitchell's played 37 tatum's played 40 games kd despite the injury which i think you know I- i'm gonna wait for that to factor into next q3 q2 yeah, he's been he's been unreal and i'm kind of doing this as if the season ended right now yeah, would they get this spot and so kd 100 would and he's played 39 games up till obviously now which he will miss some time and then Jokic at 37 so being available and having your team have success, which all five of these guys have, is something that's absolutely crucial to the first team criteria. I agree with all that. All right, second team. Why don't you go first on second team? All right, second team, backcourt. John Morant, SGA. In the front court, Giannis, LeBron, and Embiid at center. Hmm. You, you decided to flip uh, Zion and LeBron? I did. That was a last minute call. I've been so I, I, between Zion, LeBron, and and obviously Jalen Brown tonight made me really think about what to do. But that just felt <laughs> a little bit, a little bit too recency biased, even for me. I was like, I don't know, man. I can't, I can't flip it right now. But really, between those three, so Tatum, KD, and Giannis. When we look at just the forward spots, Tatum, KD, Giannis, the the three of them are going to be first team and you know first spot second team it just depends mm-hmm. you know how the how everything falls with the standings and and stuff like that like those are those are basically locked up in my opinion unless you know depending on how long KD's out the next three spots i think lebron you know we talked about in q1 he was he was kind of an afterthought we only mentioned him in like the honorable mentions 
he's yeah. been amazing. He's 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 back. You know, he's he had missed a little bit of time early in the season. He's played 31 games to this point. You know, he won player of the week last week. I think the Lakers went four and oh and been five and one in the last six, something like that. So he's keeping them afloat. And you know, he just he's just LeBron. Doesn't need me to say anymore. You guys know who LeBron is. And then, you know, with 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 Zion and Jalen Brown, I think they're right there. You saw Jalen Brown's excellence that we talked about earlier tonight. Zion with the injuries. It's you know, I feel like the Pelicans need to be rewarded. And mm-hmm. so I want to do something to reward them because it's, it's been so weird that they've been so good. And yet Zion's missed a big chunk of time. Ingram's missed even more time. And then you saw what CJ McCollum does. Like, like not played at all. That's what I'm saying. And so it's like, man, the Pelicans like are, are really doing this without their stars. And, you know, and I, I feel like I, as I, I'm a big CJ McCollum guy, I can't really put him on the all NBA team. Maybe mm-hmm. he makes the all-star team gets that Mike Conley tag ripped off as, you know, best player never to make an all-star game, but he can't really factor in here. So I got to find a way for the Pelicans and Zion's awesome. But ultimately I, I went with LeBron over Zion and JB was right there, but the three of them were very close, but LeBron slightly got the edge and a little bit of that is just, you know, his assumed greatness. Okay, so you went Ja, SGA, LeBron, Embiid. Okay, my second team, Ja, Curry, because I didn't have Curry on my first team, JB, Giannis, Embiid. So um, Car- Curry was not on your first or second team? So this is another one I wrestle with, and this is the games played issue. This is the games mm-hmm. played with a little bit of the team success. So the way I viewed it is I think SGA is just kind of a seat warmer. Curry came back the other night. Curry's okay. going to be up there, but he's only played 27 games right now. That's the lowest out of anybody that's on my three teams is Steph Curry with, with the 27 games played. Okay. And, you know, he was shooting at an electric pace. I anticipate that when he comes back, which he just did the other night, like I said, he's going to be, if not back up to second team or first team, but it just needs to be a little bit more games played and the team success, which they started to turn it around a little bit after it looked like their season was going to go real downhill when he first got injured. If that continues to go up, he's going to be up there. So I try not to sweat it too much, but SGA's played 10 more games. It has just been awesome. So I yeah. gave it to SGA knowing that likely him and Curry are going to flip spots and Curry may even end up on the first team when it's all said and done. For sure. Yeah. This, I mean, this is Q2 we're talking about here. I have Curry just because he's Curry. You know, the same yeah. argument you just made for LeBron, I'm making it for Curry. I don't need to rehash that. I think the one that's interesting is just the JB versus Zion or JB versus mm-hmm. LeBron. Um, I had JB second team before the game tonight. I wasn't changing that. I'm, I had JB on third team. Um, on after Q1 and I just love Jalen Brown man maybe this is me being a homer but I think what JB is doing playing you know in a market that doesn't really appreciate him on a I mean think about tonight man he had he was the best player on the floor by far and Tatum goes to the line in the fourth quarter and he's getting these MVP chants (laughs) I'm like I get it I get it Tatum is the MVP candidate but like Jalen is dominating this game like in any other market like may, maybe Jalen, or I mean, maybe not in any other market, but Jalen Brown would be yeah. appreciated a little bit more since he's playing next to a guy that's going to be in he's, the MVP running. You know, he's the younger brother with being a year older, right? Yeah, like, you know, like that, that, that definitely wears on you. And that's where, and I obviously don't want to get into this topic too much, but that's where it ever gets to, you know, that 
when you look at the history of the NBA, like, like just think Kobe and Shaq a little bit, like at some point, you know, Hey man, I'm doing just as much as this guy. Like I want my due credit. And sometimes they feel like they need their own team. Now you hope it never gets to that point, but that's always like a little bit in the back of your head as a Celtics fan. When you think about the future, right. When you think about the Jays and you know, this is one of the one, one of the areas where it's like, you know, I think JB absolutely like, I have no problem with JB being on second team. I just told you like I was struggling all day between LeBron Zion and JB of, who gets that second spot on the second team. And, you know, like I said, I went with LeBron, but I I had, I would not be able to make an argument against JB. And if we use the, you know, the games play factor on the best team, Jalen mm-hmm. Brown's played 39 games. Exactly. You gotta, you gotta factor, you gotta factor in that team success for sure. Yeah. So Absolutely. I think that's, that's right there. And so, you know, basically we have pretty similar um, second team right now. Let's go to the third team here. Cause this is, this is where it starts to get, uh, a little interesting, and we're going to do an exercise once we finish with the third team that just shows how deep this league is. And so for the third team, why don't you tell me – no, actually, you went last time. I'll, I'll tell you right now. So for my third team, because we already touched on a little bit, I do have Steph Curry in one of the guard spots. And then I went Tyrese Halliburton. Mm-hmm. I also debated playing around with putting Jalen Brown in one of these guard spots. So that's the other little wrinkle with Jalen Brown. Do you put him as a guard? Do you put him as a forward? Because um, I think there's a couple other forwards that also have some good cases, but their teams are not necessarily great. So mm-hmm. I ended up leaving JB where he was. And so he was also on my third team as him and Zion get the two forward spots. Tell me your first four, because I think I want to see who you went with for your center before I tell you mine. Okay. So I went with Halliburton, Booker, Zion, and LeBron. Those okay. are my four. Very similar. Booker's my my first cut. He's the he's the first cut. And I think once again, when I talk about SGA being a second team, you know, seat warmer for Curry who's gonna get bumped up. I think mm-hmm. Halliburton right now is kind of a seat warmer for Devin Booker for me. I think yeah. Devin Booker, once he comes back, he's gonna come for that spot. I mean, I think I had him. Uh, I don't know if I had him on my first team, I think, or second team. Yeah, when we did the the first go around and had him in my top five MVP. Like Booker, as long as he get when he comes back, he helps right the ship with the Suns a little bit. Suns is three and ten without him. Yeah, they were real bad. This is what we thought was going to happen when Curry was out, and the and the Warriors kind of found a way to to reinvent themselves a bit. The the Suns just straight up collapsed, mm-hmm. and so now that that he's is he back yet, or is he, is he coming back soon? Is I don't it- know if he just. Has anybody written the article, The Collapsing Suns? No, but that is a good title. That is a good <laughs> title. Someone someone out there in the SB Nation Suns hey, world. Real, real quick, I just want to give a quick shout to uh, Spoons from First to the Floor. Uh, He's got great Mal- titles. The Malcolm in the Middle title was was unbelievable. Shout out Spoons. Did Love you, First uh, to the Floor. If you you're see not his video from a, floor, make sure you check that out. Did you see his video from a couple of weeks ago? The uh, Dwight, the, uh, D. White shoot? <laughs> D. White shoot. Unbelievable. D. White shoot. Dwight sure that was that was really impressive I I really love that one so keep up the good work my guy um but all right let's go to your third team so I gave you my I give you my first four so two guards Halliburton and Curry Zion and JB at the forwards and I'm leaving my my center a mystery to see what you went with okay my center is a guy that I love since the first time I saw him live in summer league a few definitely years not ago. the same guy that I have then okay Bam <laughs> Adebayo I yep. love Bam Adebayo he's averaging over 20 points this season defensive player of the year probable at least a candidate probably the favorite right now i'm a big two-way guy so i gotta have my my guy bam and i i just like the heat 
You know, I like the heat. I, I hate the heat, but I like the heat at the same time. I just like the way they play. They're, they're, they're feisty. They're hard nosed. You like the way starts. they play, but you hate the way they play. Cause we never, yeah. I, ne- I never want to see the heat in a, in a series again. I'm so exactly. done with watching yeah. Celtics versus heat basketball. I, I respect the heat and I respect yeah. Bam out of bio. You respect wood. It's good to know. Um, <laughs> you respect wood. <laughs> uh, so I went with Doma Sabonis and you, you know, I like Sabonis mm-hmm. and once again, this feels a little bit like the Pels. I want to reward somebody from the Kings. And De'Aaron Fox is probably my second or third guy that the guard position is just so deep. It's just it's just really hard to find a way. And I think Sabonis has been a really big part of what the Kings are doing. Obviously, he's not going to give you defensively what Bam does, but he leads the league in rebounding. I think he's at about seven assists per game. You know, he's really unlocked a lot of things with dribble handoffs and different plays that the Kings have been able to run. And, you know, which is one of the reasons they're one of the top offenses in the league with him and De'Aaron Fox. Potentially, both of them are going to have all-star candidates or have uh, or be all-stars, I should say. And so, you know, this last center spot, this is once again, Bam and Anthony Davis would be the two guys that I would look at that are probably if they come, both of those guys are going to have real good chances to steal this spot from Sabonis. But mm-hmm. while it's Q2, while the Kings are a top five seed in the West, I wanted to give them some love. And so I went with Sabonis in that center spot. Do you have a huge gripe with that or, or, or can you see the case for it? No, I see the case. I like Sabonis. Um, never liked him as much as some people on this podcast, but <laughs> I, I do like Sabonis. I think I think he's a solid player. The Kings are a fun watch. I've probably caught, I don't know, six or seven Kings games this year. I want to tune into them a little bit more because yeah. every night they're putting up in between 115 they're, and 130 points, and the the beam team is 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 real. They're the they're the late night cheat meal. Like if I'm okay. going to bed and I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm still a little bit awake. Just want to throw something on my phone. The Kings are just always kind of on late night, obviously being on the West coast. So it's it'll like just be milk like, for you. Yeah, exactly. That will be my little like <laughs> basketball sneak, like go out to the fridge, like see what's still in there. Oh, the Kings are still on. All right. I'll have a little yeah. Kings and then just, you know, have a little Kings before you go to bed. Um, and it's been fun. It's been a treat to, to be able to, to watch them. Um, so who did you have for your, for your guards and your, and your forwards? On the third um, I, I gave them to you, but I, I have Halliburton, Booker, Zion, and LeBron. Zion and LeBron. Okay. So we have basically about the same grouping of people. I think really Sabonis and Bam are the only differentiators that we have as far as Booker as, and SGA. His name. And Booker and SGA, which, you know, admittedly, it feels like Booker is, is coming for that spot mm-hmm. at some point. Um, so you don't have SGA on your on your teams at all right now. Is that correct? That's why I wanted to do this next exercise. Lead us through it. So I texted Will probably, I don't know, sometime during the Celtics game tonight. And I was like, hey, wouldn't it be fun if we did six All-NBA teams to see how good we could make our six All-NBA team? And he was like, do we really need to do six? I was like, come on, bro. Have some fun with me. The, the one more thing, King. One more. Hey, one more. One more. Hey, you know what? Why don't we do seven? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be an exercise. This is the, All-NBA, the, the seventh team All-NBA. All right. So for my fourth team All-NBA, let's go real quick. I went SGA, De'Aaron Fox, Pascal Siakam, Laurie Markkinen, and Sabonis. Okay, so I didn't actually write it out. I kind of forgot about that. Okay. Um, but <laughs> if I'm doing it on the fly here, so Booker's going to get one of my guard spots. I'm going to go with De'Aaron Fox, and then I'm going to go with two guys who I, if their teams were better, I probably would have flipped JB to a guard and got at least one of these guys on. DeMar DeRozan and Pascal Siakam are going to take my two forward spots. And then for the center, I would go with Bam on my fourth team. Okay. Fifth team, Kyrie Irving, Darius Garland, Paul George, DeMar DeRozan, Anthony Davis. Okay. I would go Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brunson, Paul George, 
Lori Markkinen, Anthony Davis. Okay, you're going Brunson over Garland. I am, man. I mean, Brunson just has, dude, I, I've, I've caught a couple of Knicks games the last couple of days. And, you know, Brunson had 44 against the Bucks the other night in a loss. They were able to beat the Pacers tonight, which actually, unfortunately, I was watching that right before we started recording. It's like Halliburton left that game with an injury. I didn't see Oof. what it was, but heard the broadcast talk about it. And, you know, Brunson is so good down the stretch for the Knicks right now. Like the Knicks, the, the, Nick, the Knicks are, I, I, we both thought they were going to be pretty good just based off some preseason basketball. And they've been a little bit better than, than I expected. And part of that's Julius Randle's playing like Julius Randle from, from two years ago. But I think a big reason of that is Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is mm-hmm. just the adult in the room. He just yeah. comes in. He can get in the lane. He's, he's not the quickest guy in the world. He's thick, not quick, you know, and he's able to use it in the right way. And I love watching Jalen Brunson play. I think he's a guy for me that's an he should be an automatic all star. And I think he's on the fringes of an all NBA. It's just too deep at guard for him to really get consideration. And as much as I love, I think Darius Garland's the better player out of the mm-hmm. two. But I think Jalen Brunson, you know, has has done more this season to get a, a nod in that respect. Whereas obviously Garland has, you know, Donovan Mitchell to play off. I love when we are able to take some things out of context. You just said thick, not quick, being able to use it in the right way. Shout out to you. Hey, man, if you want to, if you want to make that the title of the podcast, go for it. <laughs> my, so I, I, for, oh, man, for my sixth team, All-NBA, I decided to reunite the Portland Trailblazer backcourt, CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, Anthony Edwards, Julius Randle, and Draymond Green. So this was where I was like, all right, now we're we're kind of getting into – that Draymond at center, we probably don't yeah. have enough guys to make a 16. Yeah, I, I'd probably do this. I, I haven't said my guy, Paul George, yet. So Paul George has to be in the sixth team, even though I know you call him the all fourth team specialist. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have to be in here. You know, I, I would put him slightly below DeRozan Siakam. So yeah, this is a perfect spot. Julius Randle, like you talked about. Who'd you say your guards were on this? I'd have to have Darius Garland in here, but who else did you have as your guards? CJ and Dame. Okay. So I, I'd probably have Dame and uh, who'd I just say? I'm, I'm blanking now. I, I, I lost count. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is, this is why we didn't need to do six teams. Yeah. We, we, we got lost in it already. So this is when it starts to get a little bit complicated. But the point of the exercise is you can get into, what, 25 guys before it starts to get a little loopy, before you start to, you know, you start having too many choc- too much chocolate milk late at night and start having some weird <laughs> dreams. Like, you can get really deep in this. And, you know, I heard this stat today, or, or I saw it on Twitter. I can't remember. I think it was on Twitter I saw it today. There are 55 guys in the league right now that are averaging over 20 points per game. 55. Oof. Do you know what the record is for a season? 27? 31. Oh, that's close. So 30, it's pretty close. 31 has happened a couple times in the last about five to seven years. But 50, you're almost doubling up that number with the amount of guys right now scoring over 20 points. And I know, like, for me, at least for me, growing up, 20 points was always, kind, for the most part, this like holy threshold of man, that guy can hoop. That guy's a scorer. And then eventually as you get older, you're like, yeah, Ricky Davis averaged 20 points. Like there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. some, there's some caveats to it, but it was man. still always kind of looked upon as like, man, hitting that 20 point barrier means something. And now you have 55 guys. Doing it. That's just, that's just a wild stat. Shout out Ricky Davis, the highest guy I've ever seen live in person when we went to the Four <laughs> Brothers premiere downtown. I could not believe how red those guys. That oh, guy's that was fantastic. Were. That was Jason Tatum pulled a little bit of a Ricky Davis the other night when he was checking his stats, looking for uh, made, making sure he got that triple double <laughs> out in Dallas. He didn't. He didn't go the full Ricky Davis and throw the ball off the backboard to get it. But you know, checking your stats is always a Ricky Davis move. But with that, talking about Jason Tatum, let's go over to the MVP debate here for. 
Q1 versus Q2. So for Q1, I, we ba- we had pretty similar lists, or basically about the same guys in different orders for Q1. So mm-hmm. my list for MVP in Q1 from five to one, Devin Booker, Luka, Giannis, Steph, and then Jason Tatum. For you, it was Steph Curry, Jokic, Booker, Giannis, and then Jason Tatum. So I think right now, Greg, when I look at the MVP race, there's nine guys that you could seriously consider. I think six are very legit. Three are guys that if they slash their teams just rip off a run, they could Mm -hmm. put their names and seriously be considered. How many guys, like what's the number of guys that you actually consider to put in the top five? Um, I would say seven, but I can see where you might come up with nine, especially when, as people get healthy here, um, mm-hmm. the seven that I came up with were Mitchell and Bede, Giannis, Luka, uh, Jokic, Tatum and KD. And then I, I would imagine the other two you're talking about here would be Curry and Zion. So I uh, Curry, I, I left just with the injuries. I put him to the side for a minute, but he's absolutely. So I think maybe I would even say there's 10 that you could potentially consider. Ja. So yeah. So Jazz Ion and Donovan Mitchell are the ones that I think are like, they're just mentions. They're not real candidates. And we'll put Curry in that group for right now, just because of the injury. Mm-hmm. And even Devin Booker, you could. So theoretically, I think you get to 11 guys that you're like, hey, if we just look at the second half of the season, if they just went on an all-out sprint, just going nuts, and their team success followed their individual success, they could realistically put themselves in a position to be the MVP. Um, but those are all the guys that are kind of like the honorable mention, the Zion, Ja, Donovan Mitchell, Curry, and Booker because of injury. That's that's the honorable mention. I think there's six guys that are really, really, truly in the mix right now. The one I that I have that left off my top five was Joel Embiid. Did he make your top five? He is also the my first cut. Yep. I had a feeling that that was going to be what it is, especially with MVP. There's just going to be so much team success and his team success, which is, you know, they're, they're right there in the middle of that, you know, that pack in the East. That's real tough. It's going to be a little bit less than, than what, than what we have with these other five guys. And Embiid's stat line is crazy. So, I mean, it just shows you like, actually I saw another, you know, love being on Twitter, saw that, Basically, Donovan Mitchell's stat line. I tweeted this out from my uh, from my personal account at Wilbon13. Is that basically Donovan Mitchell's stat line right now is equivalent to Kobe Bryant's one MVP year? Like it's almost Sheesh. bar for bar. He's averaging a few more points. I think Kobe had a few more rebounds, and the shooting numbers are actually in Donovan Mitchell's favor. And we're saying right now he's an honorable mention. Like, just think about that. League is deep, man. League is deep right now. And Embiid's only played 29 games. I think you you had that down. So if we're going to, you know, draw a line in the sand, we're going to have to cut him there because he's only playing 29 games. But shout out Joel Embiid. You've been killing it this year. Um, It's great to see him reach his potential. So who did you have at number five? I had Giannis. Same. I have Giannis Antetokounmpo at number five. And tonight, dude, did you see his stat line? Uh, I think I saw that he had seven points. I came across that and I saw he's had like averaging like 13 points per game over the last three games or something crazy like that. And I was thinking, man, of course, this is going to happen the night that we we're going to talk about him as, you know, top five MVP candidate. But yeah, I haven't they seen the one. That they still won. Uh, he, he had a double double even without getting in double digits for uh, for for points. So, man, Giannis, that's pretty yeah. wild, right? <laughs> yeah. Giannis is still, you know, uh, MVP candidate. He had a he had a nice little stretch there, but he's fallen off. I mean, he's carrying so much for the Bucks without Middleton. They need Middleton back big time. Um, Drew Holiday is going to have to step up uh, even more than he has in Middleton's wake. So shout out to Giannis. Hopefully, we can get you back in the top three by the end of the season. I'm a huge Giannis fan. All right, who'd you have at number four? 
Now, this one I went back and forth with my number three guy. Uh, I put KD at number four. Okay. And why did you go KD at four? So I went – so real quick, do you have someone different at four, first of all? I do. Okay. I, so I went KD at four partially. I mean, I was probably good. I was leaning towards putting him at three. The injury probably swayed me a little bit to put him at four, knowing that he's going to miss time. Um, ultimately, I think between him and who I have at number three, it's pretty close. And the guy at number three has has a better record for his team. And that was that was kind of the tiebreaker plus the upcoming injury. Interesting. So I have Luca at number four. Ooh, okay. Um, you know me, big two way guy. Luca doesn't play any defense. The Mavs, they've been turning it around lately. Maybe I'm soured by Luca's just complete no-show in the game against Boston where he seems like he didn't want the problem on national television. He just said, ah, I'm good tonight. I'm going to fake like I have a chest cold and uh, go from there. So I, I didn't feel like that was an MVP performance. Remember we talked about those like MVP criteria on a, on a recent pod, and I think that Luca for that, night he didn't have that mvp moment and maybe it's recency bias but i think when you have this many deserving candidates you're gonna have to bring it on the biggest stages and kd the fact that he's been killing it on both ends one of the Mm -hmm. best uh, two-way players in the league right now he brought those nets back from literally everyone saying that their season was over and they were going to trade the entire team to now they're a top two seed in the Eastern conference and an Eastern conference that is deep in a league that is deep. KD has risen above most of his peers, not all of them, but most of them. So I have Luke at four and KD at three. KD at three. Okay. I have Tatum at three. So Tatum, I, I put at three. Once again, if this is the very end of the season, Best player, best team. It makes it even that much stronger to to move him higher. But between Tatum and KD, I thought they were having – it's really hard for me to pick which one of those was going to be three, which one was going to be four. You know, like you said, Tatum Tatum has showed out in a lot of these national TV games. National TV game Tatum. You know, we just talked about earlier tonight. He continued his streak of 25-plus point performances. You know, this is – I mean, this is what this is what a top five MVP list is, right? It's nitpicking. And, you know, I was thinking about this, like, as it's more prevalent on my mind as we're doing this exercise in between each quarter is, man, if I was doing this week to week at certain points, like this would be a different list. Like it would be it would completely be, you know, top to bottom, five to one. Embiid might be three. Tatum might be five one day. Giannis might be one, mm-hmm. might be six the next week. Like I, like those power polls that you see NBA.com or ESPN do of MVP power rankings, like it would be so different week to week. Right now, I have Tatum at three. I mean, I think he's in striking distance. I think all of these guys, specifically, well, with KD injury, that changes it a little bit. But I think between Giannis, Tatum, and my top two guys, all of them are within striking distance of as long as they stay healthy. It may just come down to who has the best record. Um, but, you know, it w- with a heavy heart, Tatum is my my number three candidate. Okay, so I have Tatum at number two. So I gave you my uh, f- five through three, Giannis, Luka, and KD. I got Tatum at two. I just think the guy is just risen to another level. The game-to-game dominance and consistency that we're seeing out of him, you mentioned those dirty 30s, one he had tonight. I wouldn't even call that a dirty 30. I thought he played a yeah. great game. You know what I mean? Like the dirty 30, sometimes it's a grind. And for Tatum... He just he's getting wherever he wants to go on the court. And then the playmaking is the game for whatever reason. It seemed like for a 15 game stretch or whatever, he stopped thinking, um, let me manipulate the defense. And instead, he was thinking, I'm going to react to the defense. It seems like he's getting back into the manipulation of defense, playing chess when everybody else playing checkers, so on and so forth. So I think what I've seen from Tatum, if he as we're 
uh, running towards the the All Star break right now, and maybe Tatum is like, you know what, I need to step my game up. You you heard him talk in a recent post game interview. He was like, man, I'm fourth in the All Star voting, but look who I'm going up against. I'm going up against yeah. KD. Giannis and Embiid, like those are great players. And I think Tatum's one of those guys. This is what I love about him. This is why I think he is an MVP. He's got the DNA. He's like, all right, I'm going to compete. I'm not going to complain that I'm going up against these other guys. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to earn it. And one of the ways he's going to separate himself is if he shows that he is continuing to make those strides as a playmaker. Some of the passes he made tonight, um, very simple passes to the naked eye but when you think about like the manipulation that he's doing coming off pick and rolls one of the things that i've loved about tatum recently when he comes off pick and rolls and he's got someone that's kind of like on the low block um that could either come over and take the roll man or go out and uh to the to the corner three he's manipulating them with his eyes and holding it just for that extra split second to make that Mm -hmm. person make a move he did it again tonight and he dumped it off for for an easy layup those types of plays are plays that i think separate you you know separate a tatum from a jb uh, although jb is one of the best players as we just said one of the top 10 players in the league (laughs) like jason tatum is just he keeps rising to that next level this is why i think it's so great to have them on the same team because they're going to continue to push each other and they're going to learn from each other and continue to see those steps where tatum can be like yo jb check out what i just did on this pick and roll maybe tomorrow you try that out brother and then maybe 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 we'll see it out of jb sooner rather than later but i got tatum at number two who do you have at two i'm assuming you have luca i do not i have nicole I know, I know. Oh, I'm, I, dude, I am. I'm done with you. Go ahead, make your case <laughs> for Jokic. I mean, Jokic at number two, and and honestly, you can just pencil him in here. Probably, I, I'm never probably going to put Jokic at one. Like, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with him winning three times in a row, but I do like that everything. There's a lot of things in life that are too easy these days. Like, you to, to win three in a row, you should have to be in an NBA Finals. You should probably have to win an NBA Finals mm-hmm. at some point in that. And, you know, despite the Nuggets having the best record, I mean, he's done everything that you you could want him to do to try to have a three-peat. He's probably even having a better season than some of his other MVP seasons, if that's possible. He's more, <laughs> yeah. it's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. it's like, it's insane. And so, like, he probably should be number one, but I just think it should be hard. And I just think, like, I, I don't have a problem with him not having been to an NBA Finals or having won a championship being held against him. There's only three guys in history. They've ever won three MVPs in a row. Larry Bird, Bill Russell, and Will Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. Shaq didn't do it. MJ didn't do it. LeBron didn't do it. Kobe didn't do it. Duncan didn't do it. Like, these are all guys that, like... Giannis didn't do it recently Giannis didn't do it recently. Argument. Steph Curry didn't do it. Kevin Durant has... Like, all of these guys have had to go through this. And so, despite how spectacular... Like, this is really, like... It, it, it's kind of a BS argument, but it's one of the... It's, it's one of the only reasons why I wouldn't put Jokic at number one. Because you talked about like that ringer list, right? Where it has the hundred, you know, best ranked players. I do like Jamal Murray. I do like, you know, I don't love Michael Porter Jr. I like him in that role, being that that third guy. Mm-hmm. But they all have to be healthy. They had them at you know sixty and sixty one in the league. Jokic, I think, was was that's number crazy. one. I'm gonna have to go in that list. I'm just saying. I'm not saying that's like the you know the you know the source of truth for everything, but mm-hmm. just as a point of, of reference. Like, you know, he's doing, he just, everything flows through him. Jokic is an absolute joy to watch. We talked about when we played the Nuggets a couple weeks ago, the KCP and Bruce Brown pickups are like ideal for this team. He's opened up a new level for Aaron Gordon to be in the role that he's meant to be in and to, and to be, you know, exceptional within that role. And so, I mean, honestly, like, I think Jokic probably should be one. 
but I'm not going to put him at one because I know that at the end of the day, I'm not going to vote for him as MVP with all these other amazing candidates. I just can't do it because it should be another level of difficult for Mm -hmm. him to be able to get there. They gave you a vote this year. I'm I'm petitioning, man. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. That's the goal. That's the goal. By by 2027, that's the goal. I I, I just love the the gusto with which you said that. I'm not voting for him for MVP. I love that. Putting my foot down on this one. (laughs) I got uh, Jokic at number one. So I'm not going to hold it against him because I think the first year that he he won MVP – I actually thought Giannis should have won MVP that year, right? And that's the year that Giannis won the Basically title. Basically the same case. <laughs> exactly, right? So I'm not going to hold that against Jokic. If if he continues to play at this level, as I as I said the last time we played them, I've been watching a lot of Nuggets. That's my late night snack. Open up the fridge and see see if there's a little uh, Denver Nuggets, a little chicken nugget in there. And with with Jokic, I mean, dude, every every game he's so consistent. He dominates the game he is the person that's setting the pace for the game for that team. And he does it in so many different ways, man. You can't stop him. He, he can have a night like he did the other night where he barely shot the ball. Then you have a, a night when they're like, you know what? We're going to play you straight up. And you just go dominate in the post. So it, it's like, however you want it, he's going to, he's going to take you to the dance floor that way. You know what I mean? And um, I just think Jokic deserves it, man. Luca. I mean, dude, who is my MVP right now? I know, but <laughs> what is, what has Luca done? Luke, I mean, this is a little bit of like why I think Jokic absolutely deserved it last year. He just does so much more with less. And I understand the, you know, the national TV argument and like he did put up a dud that night. But then literally the next night he came out and had 34, 10 and 10. So like I do get it. But the the amount of work that Luca has to put in to elevate that Mavs team, which right now is a top four team in the West, and to a certain degree, that's part of of my barometer is are you going to be a home court team in the first round of the playoffs? Like mm-hmm. Jokic was not that last year, but that was like an extreme circumstance. And I thought he had done enough to separate himself. It was basically him and Embiid. And I thought he had done enough to separate himself that that, that was, you know, an, an element that you could overlook to put him as your MVP. Right now, it's, you know, we talk about it. I think narrative is a big a big part of this when it comes to Luka. Doing more with less. Christian Wood is arguably the second best player. Eh. You know, I mean, look at, the, look at all the support that these other guys have, whether it's Jalen Brown, whether it's Kyrie Irving, even, you know, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. I think are on a different level than, you know, a guy like Christian Wood, Giannis with Middleton, Holiday. Uh, and so just what, Luke is able to do basically 34, nine and nine on, you know, very effective shooting splits. You know, I, I, I think just right now, I, I think he's done enough that I would put him at one. Once again, this is Q2. I, like mm-hmm. I said, with Tatum, if this is the absolute final vote and we're looking at a Celtics team that has 57 wins versus a Mavs team that is a four seed and has 48 or 50 wins, I do think that will be a major difference. But right now in Q2, you know, despite there being a, a gap between the Celtics record and the Mavericks record, I would I would give Luca the edge right now for 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 the work that he has to put in. I just think you're trying to motivate Jason Tatum. We all know JT listens to the pod. Shout out JT. So you know, Will Will just wants to light another <laughs> fire under you because we already know that uh, you know that that's what gets you going. So JT, I believe in you. I have you at number two though. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, little motivation. Three and two, respectively, from us here. So you have Nikola Jokic as your MVP. 
midway through the year, I have Luka Doncic. Uh, we'll post our results here for you guys to debate, for you guys to tell us how dumb we are, how smart we are. Uh, take a look at where we were Q1, where we are Q2. And of course, we'll keep track and we'll be back in Q3 with that. Celtics, once again, take away a victory tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll take on the Brooklyn Nets on Thursday night and then have a home series against Ole and away series for the Celtics uh, against Charlotte over the weekend. So we will be back with y'all over the weekend to talk about the Charlotte Hornets game as well as whatever happens in this Brooklyn Nets game tonight. Greg, any final thoughts before we uh, we hear some Black Sheep Optimus? Nah, man, we're over an hour here. We're going to play <laughs> you out here with some music from my band down here in Austin, Texas. We are called Black Sheep Optimus, and this one is called Skyward. I wish it that I never seen the stars in your eyes A glimpse of what I'm missing, thinking it's a mirage Ooh, you got me tripping and it's hard to describe But I stay for a minute cause I'm digging the vibe I like the way you're looking at the look in my eyes Don't be casual feelings when it's only a vibe Don't know what the deal is, I'm a typical guy You know the one thing different is the state of your mind I'm like, oh my, my, someone throw me a rope I'm getting too damn high, didn't know I could float You could call it a vibe, it's probably all that you wrote But I'll be doing this shit finally if I didn't have hope Cause you know that that embody that would go with the flow I could sing a different song If I could not hit the notes You had me taking off When you took off your clothes It should be coming down by now But I won't Let's go